few weeks ago talking on the subject of it matters. Now here's what it is. It are your values. It's those things in your life that you say, these are what are important to me. Uh, your values can be a lot of different things, and what we find is that in a lot of our, a lot of our lives, we maybe place the value on the wrong thing and had to readjust it as time went by. And so what we begin to do is look at as a congregation and as a ministry, what are the values that, first of all, we think as a church we ought to have, and then what are those values that we ought to all embrace as believers in the kingdom of God? And so we talked the first week about truth, that we believe that truth is the bedrock of everything in every person's life, that we value truth, and we believe that that truth is founded upon the Word of God. The second week, we talked about that people are valuable, that God has set a value on every person, and that it's up to us as believers uh, to reach to those who are called pre-believers. You understand? Those who have not yet come into the kingdom of God, those who have not yet given their life to Jesus Christ, that it's our responsibility as believers to make them feel important and vital to God's kingdom. Last week, we talked about a subject that only brave, crazy preachers will talk about. Last week, I talked to you about diversity. I talked to you about race. I talked to you about uh, creed. I talked to you uh, about male and female and rich and poor and all the in-between and how that diversity, first of all, is found throughout Scripture and how that diversity is something that as a group of believers and as an individual, I need to embrace that and to live that out day in and day out. Today we're going to talk about worship. We believe that worship is vital. We believe that it is a value that we hold to. In fact, here's how we say it. We value times of intimate worship and fellowship with God. That, that's how we are as a congregation. We believe that those are important times. We don't believe, uh, I grew up in, you know, an old school church where right before the preacher would come up, somebody would come up and say, well, I'm glad we got those preliminaries over. Now let's get ready to hear the Word of God. Well, I want to tell you, worship together is not preliminaries. It is preparing us to hear the Word of God. So I want to read you three scriptures today. Would you go to the book of Psalms, the 29th chapter? Psalms chapter 29 is where we're going to begin. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And wherever you are today, whatever campus you're at, you may be in Tennessee, you may be in Illinois, wherever you are today, we welcome you. We invite you today to go into the Word of God with us. We know you've already had worship, a great time together. But now we're going together into the Word of God. So let's get ready to receive what God says. The book of Psalms, the 29th chapter, and the second verse says this, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name, or give to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The psalmist there giving us direction in how that we are to give worship to God Almighty. Would you go to the book of John in the New Testament, John chapter 4, verse 23. John 4, 23 is the setting where Jesus has met this woman at the well, and, and they begin to have this dialogue. They're talking to one another, and she begins to question him about religion, and she begins to ask him about church and about going to the synagogue and all of these things and about, about what worship is. And in the 23rd verse, listen to what Jesus said. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in what? Truth. In spirit and in truth, 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The Lord is looking for worshipers, the Bible says, who worships Him in spirit and in truth. One more verse in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 20 says this. Philippians 4, 20 says, To our God and Father be glory forever and what? Ever. Amen. Now that word amen is not a period. It's not the ending of the prayer. The word amen means so be it. So the writer there, uh, the Apostle Paul is telling us that we are to worship God forever and ever. And then he just says, so be it. In other words, this is a directive into your life. Now, today I'm going to use a couple of words interchangeably, so I'm going to tell you that before we get started. I'm going to use the word worship and praise in an interchangeable way. I know you can drill down and maybe make a little difference in them, but uh, just for today we're going to talk about worship and praise as the same, okay? So here's, here's what it is. Praise in its essence is adoration of God. It's just giving God the worship that He is worthy. Now, how many of you believe today that God deserves your worship? Amen. I hope by the time I'm done to convince all of you of, of that truth that God is worthy of worship. Now, let me give you kind of a workable definition of that. Uh, and and let, me, let me kind of break it down for you. Praise or worship is always active. It's always assertive. It's always demonstrative and open. Okay? It's not passive. It's not, yes, Lord. It's not presumptuous, it's not undemonstrative or secretive. Wherever you find praise and worship mentioned in Scripture, here's what you'll find. You'll find movement, you'll find action, you'll find sounds and songs that are seen and heard as people are worshiping and praising God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that we were created for worship? All right? If you don't believe that, go to a concert. I don't care who it is. It can be your favorite whoever. It can be Beyonce. It can be, you know, some country singer. It, it, it can be some, you know, hard rock, rock and roll. It doesn't matter who it is. And watch what people do. People will stand in a concert for two and three hours and worship. Wow, this is a quiet church today. All right. I mean, they're all they're, they know every song that's being sung. They're going to buy every album or CD that comes out. They're going to download every tune. They're going to buy T-shirts. They're going to wear the hat. They're going to do it all because in that moment they are in rapture. They're in that place. Now, don't don't misunderstand. I'm, I don't care. Well, I mean, I care about some of them. You go to. That's not the point of this sermon, all right? Uh, but but I'm, if you want to go to a concert, go to a concert. What I'm saying is, is that in, innate within us, whether or not we are in relationship with God or not, everybody desires to worship. Everybody wants to. If you don't believe you, people want to worship, go to a ball game. Ever been to a football game? I went to a football game a few years ago. This has been a, several years ago because it was when the University of Memphis was still called Memphis State. That's been a while, all right? And Tennessee was playing Memphis State. And I was for Tennessee, and the guy behind me was for Memphis State. And, uh, and he was dressed, man. It was cold, cold day, but he was dressed. He had on a coat, had fur on it. He had this nice fedora hat. I mean, he was fixed. I mean, he was ready to go. And, and as the ball game went on, of course, you always know, if you've ever been to, to a Memphis and to a Tennessee game, except for once, you know who's going to win. 
we read the back of the book, and Tennessee's going to win. What's wrong with y'all? Must have a bunch of University of Memphis fans in here today, all right? I even wore, you know, kind of orange this morning, all right? And, and, and this guy, the, Tennessee just kept running up the score. And at one point when Tennessee scored, this guy took his hat off. And I'm talking about it wasn't a cheap hat either. Threw that hat down, and he jumped up and down on that hat. I thought, what would happen if somebody got that passionate about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has saved us, who has redeemed us, and who has brought us into his kingdom? What would happen if we really decided that Jesus Christ was worth our worship? You say, well, pastor, I've been taught all of my life that when you go to church, you're reverent. I believe in reverence. I believe that the Scripture teaches that all things are to be done decently and in order. But I also believe that the Word of God challenges us to worship God in multiplicity of ways, and it's not in maybe just lighting a candle or reading a prayer, but genuinely that there are ways in Scripture that God tells us that we are to worship Him that might just get some people a little edgy. You ready? Now, how many of you know that the, the New Testament, the Old Testament, was not written in English when it started? You got that? It was written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, and it was written in Aramaic. And those three languages are much more colorful than our language. Our lang how many of you know that you can, you can love that dress, you can love a donut, and you can love your spouse? Right? And if you love all three of them equally, something's wrong with you. Right? But we use the same, oh, man, I love that, I love this. Well, you know, if you get to study in Greek, you find out uh, that there's agape love, which is a God kind of love. There's eros love, which is the sexual kind of love. There's filial love, which is uh, one to the other. I mean, all of these are in there. And so there, there are different words in, in our English Bible that are translated worship or praise uh, that have a multiplicity of meanings. And real quickly, it's not in your notes, but if you want to write it down, you can. Real quickly, I want to give you several of those so you'll just see what the Word of God God says uh, about worship. The, the first word is the word, the word halal. It's H-A-L-L-A-L. -L -L. And here's what it means. It means to laud, to boast, to rave, or to celebrate. Think about that. That church coming together as the body of Christ, that worship involves celebration. Have you ever been to a celebration? Now, come on, let me ask you. How many of you remember before you got saved? I know you're sanctified now. Right, and you would never go to a party. But, but do you remember? Boy, y'all can look to the holiest bunch. I just talked to the camera of the campuses. Do you remember when you used to go to a party and celebrate? I mean, I mean throw down. I mean, you didn't care what time it started because you were going to be there until the last. And now you come to church. Man, he's going a little long today. It's, oh, I better move on. It's used over 100 times in Scripture. The second word is the word yada, Y-A-D-A-H. And the word yada, watch this, the word yada means to worship with extended hands. Uh-oh. To throw out your hands. It's used in Scripture over 90 times that we are to worship God with extended hands. The Bible says that we are to lift, in the New Testament, to lift holy hands without wrath and without doubting. See, worship involves your body. We, we, we kind of think, well, worship is my mind as I give a cent to God. No, no, worship involves your in, the entirety of who you are. The, the, the third word is the word Barak. Now, I'm not talking about our president. It's B-A-R-A-K. 
Barak. And it means to bless, to declare God the origin of power or success or prosperity and even fertility. Wow. That's what it means. It, it means that, that in that we're saying, God, we just bless. We declare today that you are the one who gives prosperity, that you are the one who brings success in life. And it, again, it's used over 70 times in Scripture. The fourth one is the word tequila. Now, I did not say tequila. <laughs> Many of you have had celebration worship moments with tequila. I'm not talking about that. It's T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H, Tehila, all right? Don't go out of here misquoting me. And it just means to sing, and it means to sing loudly. And it's used over 50 times in Scripture. The Word of God talks time and time and time again that we are to worship God with singing. The word zamar, Z-A-M-A-R, means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to praise with song. Now, I know that messes up some of you, but it's in the Bible. The Word of God tells us that we are to praise God with instruments, that we are to praise God on the loud sounding cymbal, on and on and on. Uh, Psalm 150 tells us this. The, the next one is the word toda, T-O-D-A-H. Toda means to extend the hands in thanksgiving. It really means a thank offering to God. It's translated time and again as praise, uh, but, but it's, it's just worshiping God. Lord, I thank you today. I, I bless you today. You know, I, I love watching people as they come uh, to, our, to our campuses, and as they come, a lot of times they, they come from different backgrounds, and maybe they've been taught all their life, you know, you don't, you don't do anything in church. You're just quiet and reverent, and, and that's great. It's wonderful. The Bible says otherwise, but it's wonderful. And, and then and they'll, see, man, they'll see people doing this, and they'll look in the first few weeks. Come on, you, know, you remember right? You're kind of looking around going, what are they doing? What are, they, are they going to ask a question? Or, right? And, and then I know something's happening when I see them start doing this. It's kind of this, yes, yes. Because something's happening with them. They're beginning to understand. And, and, and then, then when they get to here, you know, it's kind of carry the television, carry the television. You know, they, they got that carry the television release in their spirit. And, and then all of a sudden they just go touchdown. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> It, it's from here to carry the television to touchdown. It's, it's that, that whole, what's wrong with y'all? You just know in that moment something broke loose and they're okay now. They're, they're, they kind of go, oh, we can do this, all right? Uh, the last one is the word shabak. The word shabak, S-H-A-B-A-C-H. Uh, and it means to commend. It means to address in a loud tone. It means to shout unto the Lord. In fact, another translation says it means to be clamorously foolish for God. Wow. You know what? What would happen if we got as excited about Jesus as that guy got excited about the ball game? What would happen if all of a sudden we said, wait a minute, it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants. See, worship involves three aspects of, of, of our lives. It, it involves the vertical aspect, and I'm going to talk about each of these. It involves horizontally, and it also involves internally. Worship affects each of those dimensions. Let's talk about the vertical first of all. The Word of God in Psalms 108, uh, verse 1 and 2 says this, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Even what you've given me, I'm going to give back to you. Awake, lute and harp. He's talking uh, about his instruments that he plays. Awake, lute and harp. Lute and harp. He says, I will awaken the dawn. David is talking here, and he says, even as the day breaks, 
I'm going to be worshiping God, not just with my voice. He said, I'm going to be worshiping God with everything that's in me. Now, let me give you the primary reason for worship. Are you ready? The primary reason for praise is to minister to God. No, did you hear me? The primary purpose for praise and worship is not something you get out of it. Isn't it interesting? You know, we, we, we like, man, if, if they just sing the right song. So, so you know, we, we sing Cornerstone, you know, and it kind of takes us back to that old school kind of feel, and we all get excited. Oh, yes, yes. All right? But all of a sudden, they start singing something we don't know, and we go, I wish they'd just quit singing those new songs. Right? Or, I don't like that. I wish they'd sing stuff I like. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me, let me talk to you. You ready? It's not about you. It's about Him. The purpose of worship is not so I will feel good. The purpose of worship is so I can bless the Lord with what He has given unto me. Here's the basic posture. Hear me carefully. The basic posture of a true worshiper is I will bless the Lord, not Lord bless me. It's a, it's a transition. It's a moving out of one place into another. The, the second thing that praise does in this vertical aspect is that it opens up the channels of communication between us and God. When, when you come to that place of, of praising God and worshiping God, the, what praise is, is declaring the mighty acts of God. When you are doing that, it opens up this channel between you and God. And all of a sudden, God takes notice of what's happening in your world. God begins to communicate with you at a level that you haven't been communicating before. And so when you begin to see that, when you begin to understand that, now all of a sudden, I enter His gates with thanksgiving, and I go into His courts with praise. I come to the house of God. I get into my car. You know what? You don't have to be with a thousand people to worship God. You can worship God when you drive to work tomorrow. Amen. Have, have you ever pulled up beside somebody and they're just rocking out? No, you come on, you know, they're they doing this and that's singing. <laughs> come on, you ever, have you ever noticed that? It's just, I mean, they're going, hi, you know, it's like some rock and roll something, you know, whatever it is they're doing. And, and they're, or or maybe, you know, maybe their subwoofer just begins to shake your car. You ever pulled up beside those? I mean, you go, that guy's got to be deaf. He's got, because my car is bouncing over here, right? Right, and they, they just go, I mean, they, 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 now I, I'm hoping they're going for Jesus, but may not be, but you, you can go for Jesus in your car. You can worship God this way just as you're driving down the road. You can talk to God. You can praise God. You can worship Him in all manner, even as you're going down. Now, the, the, here's the one that we don't want you doing as you're driving. Don't be lifting holy hands. You can lift one holy hand, but keep one on the steering wheel, all right? I don't like seeing y'all coming to me doing this, all right? So, but all of this is in the Bible. All of these are scriptural injunctions for us to worship God. So that's the vertical aspect. But and, and we all kind of understand that. If you've been around church much, been around, I've been around the Bible at all. You kind of understand this aspect. But the horizontal aspect, we don't talk much about. In other words, that there's something that happens not just this way, but when we're together as Christians and believers, as we're worshiping, something begins to happen this way. Look in Psalm 108, verse three again. It says this: I will praise you, O Lord, among 
among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations. The psalmist is saying here, I'm not just going to sing in my car. I'm not going to rock out just me and Jesus. He said, when I get there, when I, when I get in the house of God, when I get among the people, he said, not only am I going to sing, now look what he said, not only am I going to sing among the people of God, he said, I'm going to sing to the nations. I'm going to sing to people who don't know God. Right? And, and, and so the, the reason is, is that, that when you begin to worship, when you begin to praise God, some things begin to happen. First of all, praise creates a place for God to dwell. All right? I'll give you scripture, but just write it down if you're taking notes. Praise creates a place for God to dwell. Here's what the Bible says, that God inhabits or he dwells in the praises of his people. So when you begin to praise God, God comes down and begins to dwell in that praise. And all of a sudden, it's not just this, now it begins to go here. The book of Colossians says it this way. It says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you're singing, have you ever noticed that music has power that words by themselves sometimes don't? I have watched songs penetrate people's hearts that words by themselves never would have. And yet as the Spirit of God begins to touch the songs that people are singing, people's lives begin to be transformed in that. And, and a lot of people say, well, Pastor, you've got to understand, I don't sing good. I'm, I'm not a good singer. That's okay. There's a scripture for us. Ready? Here's what the Bible says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. I fit in that noise category, right? Uh, several of you and those watching, you, you've, you've been here when, when Bishop Garlington has been here. Bishop Joseph Garlington uh, is, is a masterful songwriter, singer, uh, mighty man of God, used to lead a lot of stuff at Promise Keepers back in the day, and he's, he's preached here on, on several occasions. Several years ago, three or four years ago now, uh, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina with Bishop Garlington at a church, and I was sitting over here, and Bishop was sitting over here, and he looked over at me, he said, move down, and I did, and, and he came and sat right here. Now, when Bishop sits by, he's just like the Lord showed up. It's like, oh, holy, holy, holy. You know, you always have to start singing at that moment. And, and so, and, and we start, we, you know, we're in worship, we're in praise time. And so he starts singing. He's got this wonderful melodia. I mean, it's just, it, again, heaven just comes down when Bishop sings. He's singing. And so I think, well, I can sing. <laughs> and so I start doing that joyful noise thing. And I, this is no lie. In fact, I need to confront him about this next time I see him. He starts doing like this. I'm over here. He's going. And before I know it, he's halfway out in the aisle, and I'm over there. But, you know, I didn't stop. I thought, shoot, I'm not singing for Bishop. I'm singing for Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, and he's the one that it's about. So if it's nothing but a noise, I'm still going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. See, true praise teaches the truths of God's Word. That's what Colossians tells us. That. It, it, it's bringing the Word of God and, and teaching us God's Word, that He's the rock, He's the Redeemer, He's the Sustainer. Whatever we're singing about is teaching us that, that that's what God is. Not only does it do that horizontally, when, when, when people begin to truly worship God, th those who are unbelievers, those who have not yet experienced the grace and the mercy of God, they do begin to experience the presence of God as believers begin to praise when believers begin to praise God in, in a corporate setting, 
those who may not yet have made that step, they haven't made that journey yet, they begin to sense them. I've had people tell me numerous times, you know what? I don't know what that was today, but I felt something I've never felt before. You know what that was? That was the presence of God coming down in the praises of his people. And even though they didn't have a nice, neat place to put it, they knew that they had sent something that was different than what they were normally experiencing. So as we worship God, as we pray, again, if I come into the house of God, if I don't want to praise God because of who he is and what he has done, and I don't want to praise God because they're singing the song I like, then I need to be praising God because there might be somebody in that room that needs me to be praising God so that God can touch their lives and bring them into relationship with him. And so I need to be always be a person who worships and praises God. Does it, it doesn't stop there. It also creates the atmosphere to receive the Word of God. The Scripture says, it uses a term, it says Judah plows. That's an interesting term. Judah plows. Now here's what that means. Listen to me. Look at me. Judah it is, is the word praise. Judah is referring to a tribe of Israel. But, but here's what it means. It means that praise plows. How many of you know that before the seed goes into the ground, what? The farmer has to go out and plow, doesn't he? Well, that's what we do. When we come together and we're worshiping God, we plow up the ground so that when the seed of the Word of God goes forward, it falls in the good ground and people's lives are transformed and changed into the glory and the image of God. Lastly is the internal part. Psalm 108, verse 4. We're still in Psalm 108 there. It says, For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches the clouds. So, so he, he's, he's given us that whole aspect there of, of here's what worship is. And then Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is what? Within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What are you doing? You're talking to yourself. Amen? How many of you know you talk to yourself all day long? You say, I don't talk to myself. Yes, you do. There's a dialogue that goes on all day long. All day long. You're talking to yourself. Some of you say, you stupid. You're a dummy. You never, you're, you're thinking those thoughts. But you know what? What would happen if we began to praise God? We begin to let it be inside of us. See, here's what I found out years ago. We become like that which we praise. Have you ever seen uh, people who, who are real enthralled with someone and all of a sudden they start walking like them and talking like them, start acting like them? I mean, they, you know, they say after people have been married for years, people start saying they start looking alike. They don't start looking alike. You ever had that, heard people say they, they even look alike? It's not that they look alike. It's just all the mannerisms. They picked up everything from each other, and, and they act alike. They, and so everybody's, oh, they look alike. They don't look alike. It's just their action. It's the same way with us. When, what we praise, we start looking like. We start acting like. The book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter, um, it, the first five chapters, Isaiah has is given everybody grief. But Isaiah chapter six, he says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And he said, the angels begin to cry, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord God. And it was so powerful, the Bible says, that even the post and the temples begin to move. 
Here's what he did. The scripture says when he saw this, he said he fell on his face and he began to cry, Woe is me, for I am undone, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And the Bible says in that moment, God sent an angel from the heavenlies with a coal of fire from the altar of heaven, and he touched Isaiah's lips. And in that moment, he purified Isaiah. And in that moment, Isaiah then begins to praise and give adoration to God Almighty. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. When when you come in to worship, when you come in to praise, the Bible says that you are to worship the Lord your God with all your mind, your soul, and your strength. Now, I want everybody look, for, look up here a second. Let me explain this to you for a minute. I want to promise you that all day long, every day, I'm not worshiping God with all my mind. Don't look at me like that. All my soul and all my strength. Why? Because I got other things going on. You know when I do that? I do that when I begin to concentrate and I begin to declare, Lord, you are good. I begin to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. When I begin to do that, in that moment, I am worshiping God with the entirety of my being. And I am giving Him everything. that I, That's what happened to Isaiah in that moment. See, here's the deal. When, when we get there, we are released to express our thankfulness to God. Do, do you realize what God's done for us? Ladies and gentlemen... Jesus Christ came to this earth to set us free from our sin. Whatever we have experienced, whatever we have gone through, whatever it is that, that has happened around us, Jesus Christ came to set us free. God has done more for us than we will ever deserve. He deserves my praise. He deserves my worship. He deserves, listen to me, He deserves my very best. People say, well, Pastor, you've got to understand my personality. When I praise, you know, my personality is a little reserved. And, and you know, I, I got you. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a real demonstrative kind of person. Um, you know, I, I'm just not. It's not. I, I've never been the guy who wants to run around the building or jump up and down a lot and turn circles. And It's just not who I am. It's not what I am. But you know what? Sometimes you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you just got to worship God in spite of your personality, in spite of what you are experiencing and what you are thinking. In those moments, you've got to understand that the presence and the power of God Almighty is worth so much more than what you are comfortable with. And so in that moment, you say, God, I need you in my life. Let me, let me, let me close with this. Praise sensitizes my spirit to follow the Holy Spirit. It, it gets me into alignment to follow what the Spirit of God is doing and saying. And so as I praise, as I worship, I begin to bring myself into that place of receiving what God has. Praise and worship, and let me do this as we bring it to a close. Praise and worship provides the opportunity for us to open our hearts, to confess our sins, and to receive renewal. As I worship, as I praise, as I give Him glory, things begin to happen in that moment that only happen there. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear me today. You say, well, I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't like that. I don't want to clap my hands. I don't want to raise my hands. You know what? Let me close with this. If you've got your Bibles, go to the book of Psalm, the 150th chapter. 
Psalm chapter 150. And I want to show you what the psalmist said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. That's mean when you're on an airplane. <laughs> Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Wow, that pushes us. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Now that's not this pipe. Religious people miss that. The rest of you got it. Not the pipe it's talking about. Don't misquote Scripture. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then he just closes it out and says, praise the Lord. We are mandated by God Almighty to praise Him. Why? For His mighty acts, for His excellent greatness, for all that He has done. For sending His only begotten Son into this world to die for us. If nothing else ever happens in your life, but you have been saved, then you need to be praising God on a daily basis every day of your life. Amen? Come on.